In Jesus' name, amen. Who killed Jesus Christ? He did not die of natural causes or old age or disease or an accident. He was killed. He was murdered. The worst murder in all human history. There are many mysteries of others that have been killed. There's still debate over who killed President Kennedy almost 60 years ago. And many others remain unsolved. Who killed Jesus Christ? The answer is not as simple as you might think. It involved a number of people with different attitudes. It's like in certain crime dramas on TV, movies, novels. Often it's written in such a way that the one you think did it didn't, and the one you didn't think do it did it did actually do it. And there's a twist. We see various twists in answer to the question, who killed Jesus? Let me draw a very general parallel, and maybe you'll see it. Suppose at the scene of an accident, the police show up, and they find a dead man in the middle of the street, and there's a truck, and there's some witnesses, and the paramedics are there, and they said, he's dead. So the policeman goes around and asks, did anybody see this? And one man says, yes, I saw it. What happened? A truck, that truck came roaring down the street and ran him over. It's almost like he wanted to do that. Ask another man, and he said, yes, I saw it. And I saw the truck, and the policeman said, didn't you try to stop him, even yell? or No, I didn't want to get involved. And so they find out, well, I guess that was an accident. So then they go and talk to the um, truck driver, and they said, didn't you see the man? Yes. Then why didn't you stop? I tried. The brakes wouldn't work. Let's go take a look. So they crawled underneath it, and the brake table had been cut. They said, well, how did you even get here? Well, I came here straight from the mechanic's garage. The police said, let's go there. And they found one of the mechanics that looked very guilty, and they said, okay, did you have anything to do with it? You talked because you got warrants out on you. And he says, I confessed. I cut it. But hear me out. Yesterday, a man came with a gun and threatened to kill me if I didn't do that. Who was the man? I don't want to tell. You have to. Or you're the one that shares the guilt. It was a certain man, and the police knew he was a... Mafia hitman. So they go and bang on his door. Somehow they get him to confess. He said, look, I was paid to do this. Who paid you? The mafia down. So now there are several people in jail. They go to the man there, break down the door, and they say, you're under arrest. What for? For hiring a hitman to kill such and such and so forth. And he said, confess. Why did you do this? Did you know the man? No, I never knew about him, but... Yesterday, a woman came to me and said, I will pay you $10,000 if you get someone to kill my husband with a truck. So then they go to visit the wife. and said, this is bizarre. 
And on the way, they stopped off at the doctor and said, is there anything you can tell us about this man that was your patient? Then they went to the woman and they said, we have found the hit man, the man that cut the wire, we, the mafia done, and it's all pointing to you. Did you do it? And she breaks down and cries and says, yes, I did it. But you have to hear the rest of the story. What is it? A few days ago, the doctor said he had inoperable cancer and he's going to die a slow, painful death. We wanted to spare him that, so he and I agreed. And, and that if he died in an accident, we could collect insurance. We're not going to keep it, the money. We're going to set up a foundation for handicapped children. Don't you see? Don't you see? policeman and the detective looked at each other and said, well, you're still guilty. There are two facts you don't realize. Number one, if he colluded with this, that's suicide. Life insurance is not going to pay off on suicide. <gasps> not only that, the policeman said, when we talked to the doctor on the way over here, he said he made a mistake. He was not dying of cancer. He died needlessly, and the woman was so overcome she just fainted. Which one of these was responsible for the death? The man, the wife, the mafia man? Which one? A little boy that saw it and didn't say anything? It's kind of like that with who killed Jesus. It was several people involved, different motives and different degrees of guilt, except two. First, Satan was involved. He's behind all murders, war, abortion, mafia murders, assassination. Jesus said, not only is he the father of lies, he's a murderer from the very beginning. He moved Cain to kill Abel. He moved David to murder Uriah and Ahab to kill Naboth and many others. He stirred up Jews to try to kill Jesus on several occasions, and on one occasion... He tried to lure Jesus into killing himself by jumping off the top of the temple. And Jesus didn't. And unlike others that were involved in the murder of Jesus, Satan knew exactly who Jesus was, and that's why he wanted to have him murdered. He hated him. The Bible says hatred is the root of murder. So on that good Friday 2,000 years ago, Satan accomplished his evil design and perhaps on that day when Jesus breathed his last, perhaps Satan and the demons did a dance of Gleason and we finally got him. But they didn't realize that they were signing their own death warrant. Because the Bible says in the death of Jesus, Satan was conquered and doomed once and for all. And one day Jesus will judge Satan and the demons to an eternal life sentence in hell for the crime of murdering Jesus. So there's Satan and the demons. You can't charge the angels. They were witnesses. And they were ready to stop it. But Jesus did not give the order. But there were the Romans. Those were the ones that literally killed Jesus. They were the ones that were out there doing their job as executioners. They had executed many before and many after. There were two others on that very day. They were involved. They were the ones with the hammer and the nails. We don't know the names of the soldiers, nor precisely how many. There were probably five, the centurion, and at least four, according to Roman law. Perhaps others. They shared the guilt, but in an unusual twist, they were somewhat less guilty than the others. They didn't know who Jesus was. It wasn't their job to 
intervened somehow. We don't know if they heard any of Jesus' preaching. It was a distasteful job, but it was a necessary one. The Bible does teach capital punishment. It was a dirty job, and someone had to do it, and it was their job. So if we were to arraign them for the murder of Jesus, they would say, we're only doing our job. It had to be done. Sure, many of those that they nailed to crosses did deserve to die, but other ones did not deserve to die. And you might say, how could they know which ones were guilty or not? They hadn't seen the evidence. But on that day, God gave more than enough evidence. You remember Jesus said seven things, and that got the attention of at least one of the thieves on the cross. And then the dark night on that day, and the thundering and the and the earthquake and other things, that should have been enough to wake them up to see what are we doing. And from a human perspective, they should have stopped it. And that centurion seems to be the only Roman that really did put the pieces together and connect the dots. Because when Jesus died, you look at the Gospels, piece them together, he says, surely this was the Son of God, a righteous man. In other words, he didn't deserve to die. And it probably hit him like thunder. I crucified him. And I didn't have the courage to stop it. He would feel guilty. But the other ones that gambled for his clothing. Would have said just like the Nazi war criminals at the Nuremberg trials. We were only following orders. But that didn't absolve them of guilt. Whose orders? Pontius Pilate. He enters into this accusation of killing Jesus. You see, three times when Jesus was on trial, three times, count him, he said, I find no fault in this man. I want to let him go. He's innocent. What has he done? He knew it, but he condemned him anyway. He gave in to the roaring crowd that were like wild dogs after blood. He shares in the guilt. And even though he tried to wash his hands, he couldn't wash the blood off of them. And God even arranged to give a nightmare to his wife the night before. And she came to him and said, don't do, have anything to do with this man. And Pilate, as it were, said, woman, I don't want to hear you. And so he tried to shift the load over to King Herod. So he sent Jesus over there saying, well, you know, I'm in a no-win situation. If I condemn him, his disciples will blame me. If I let him go, the Jews will condemn me. Ah, I'll send him over to King Herod. So Luke records that, and Herod always wanted to see Jesus do a miracle, and Jesus didn't. And so he turned him over to his rough soldiers to beat and to torture and to spit on. And so then Herod and his friends, they had enough of their entertainment, so they sent Jesus back to Pilate. Herod could have stopped it, but he didn't. He's also to blame. So it's now back to Pilate, and he gives in. Remember, he, he realized Jesus is innocent, and so there was a custom. So he brings in this man named Barabbas, who was due to be executed that day because he was a terrorist and a murderer, and so the custom was, you offer on this day before Passover, which one will you let go? It's a custom to let someone go that the crowd calls for. He thought they were going to cry, yes, give us Barabbas, but the Jewish leaders moved the crowd to say, no, 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 say, give us Jesus. And they started to chant, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate again says, 
what harm has he done? And they said, he made himself a king. Anybody that makes himself a king other than Caesar deserves to die. And Pilate wimped out and gave in to the crowd. You see, it was all done legally, as it were, through Roman channels, but they broke their own laws. It was a mockery of justice. So the Romans, from Pilate down, share in the guilt. But it doesn't end there. There were the Jewish leaders and many in the Jewish crowd. Now, I know that it's not politically correct today to say that Jews then had anything to do with the death of Jesus. But the Bible says, yes, it was, at least from a human perspective, primarily them that put it up. They tried him, although the, the, the verdict was already settled in their mind. They, they, they broke their own traditions and the laws of Moses to bring about a guilty verdict. When someone tried to stand up for Jesus, they basically told him to shut up. So they condemned him, but they came up with a ruse. Well, we can't, can, we can't crucify him, so they turned him over to the Romans. They got the Romans to do their dirty work for them, their worst enemies. The crowd called out, crucify him. Let his blood be on us and our children. That doesn't mean that we should blame in each and every Jewish person today. Most of them have little idea of what actually happened on Good Friday. We shouldn't blame them. But it was the Jewish leaders in particular, the 70 members of the Sanhedrin, except two, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, that did not vote for condemnation. On at least three earlier occasions, the Jewish leaders tried to kill Jesus with their own hands, by stoning him. So they plotted and schemed for the better part of Jesus' three-year ministry. And then, after Jesus rose from the dead and went back to heaven, several of the apostles and other early Christians had the courage to accuse those very Jewish leaders of conspiring to murder Jesus and doing the deed by turning him over to the Romans. Listen to what Paul the Apostle said, 1 Thessalonians 2, 14 and 15. The Judeans killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets. Five times Peter said this. Acts 2, 23. You, he's pointing to the crowd there. You have taken him by lawless hands, have crucified and put him to death. Acts 2, 36. This Jesus whom you crucified. Acts 3, 13 to 15, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the Just One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the Prince of Life. Can you sense the anger, the holy anger in Peter? Acts 4, 10, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Acts 5.30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. And then in Acts 7.52, Stephen, when he was on trial, accused him and said, the just one of whom you have become the betrayers and murderers. So Paul and Peter and Stephen were right. How did the Jewish leaders do this? We know your Bible. They made a deal with Judas They paid him, and later when Judas felt bad about it and tried to return the money, they said, this is blood money, we can't touch it. What hypocrites! They were the one that gave the money to Judas. Yes, it was blood money, and the blood of Jesus was dripping off their fingers. Judas 
shares in the guilt of the murder of Jesus. He was the one that betrayed Jesus. And he knew what he was doing, and he took money for it like a mafioso hitman. The Jewish leaders put him on trial, but it was a phony trial if there ever once was. It was a lynching. The verdict was already in. They wouldn't hear any arguments to the contrary. So they turned him over to the Romans to do the dirty deed. One of the worst nightmares a Jew today would have is that if he woke up and saw our forefathers murdered our own Messiah. You see, the Jews have a a relationship with all their forefathers. They wouldn't say it was just our forefathers. They'd say, we murdered our own Messiah. And so it weighs heavily upon Jews when they begin to look into this. And then when a Jew becomes a Christian, it impacts them in a way different than us Gentiles. What about the other 11 apostles, were they involved in an indirect way? Not actively like Judas, but passively. When the Romans came to arrest Jesus, only Peter tried to protect him, and Jesus said, put your sword away, read the text. What happened to the others? All of them, including Peter, ran away into the night, cover of darkness like scared jackrabbits. And only John came back, but it was too late on Good Friday. And as Christ was dying on the cross... Those disciples could only hang their heads in shame and feel the sting of guilt. Could we have done something to prevent this? It doesn't end there. Yes, it was the Romans, Pilate, Herod, the Jews, even indirectly the apostles, most of all Judas. But friends, it wasn't just them. It was us. We share in the guild. You do. Me. All of us. Years ago, Mel Gibson produced and directed a movie about the death of Jesus, and he added various details not found in the Bible. But when it came to that rather grisly scene where a Roman soldier held the, the spikes and another one drove it in, later we found out who it was that was holding the spike in the movie. It was Mel Gibson. And in an interview, he said, kind of emotionally, he said, that was my way of saying, I killed Jesus and I'm ashamed of it. Well, good for Mel Gibson. But someone might say, I wasn't even born back then. How could I be to blame? First, the Bible says Christ died for us. It was your sins and mine that put him on the cross. If we had never sinned, he would not be on the cross. And that's the way we share in the blame. Also, the unity of the human race, just like Jews would pound on their chest at the wailing wall saying, it was our fathers and us that did it, even though it was 2,000 years back then. You see, those Romans and Jews and others were our representatives. Revelation 1.7 quotes Zechariah 12.10 and says, they will look upon me whom they have pierced. And that's talking about a prophecy hundreds of years in advance. And we can look back hundreds of years later. A later generation would look at Jesus in their minds and realize they pierced his hands and his feet. Not just the Jews, us. Not only that. If each and every one of us had been out there that day and not been true Christians that had enough courage to stand up and speak our peace we would have joined in that maniacal crowd calling out, crucify him, crucify him. We would have been like the Pharisees at Calvary, mocking him. Look in your heart. 
You would have been caught up in that if God had taken off the restraints. Years ago, I heard about a man that had heard about the death of Jesus, and he read the Gospels, and he went to sleep that night and had a dream that was sort of a nightmare. You know, sometimes what we think about when we're awake comes out in our dreams, and the dream was he was kind of off on the side seeing the Roman soldiers torture Jesus, whipping him, beating him, crown of thorns, and the man in the dream was saying, stop it, why are you doing that? He's innocent. And he says the, the meanest, roughest Roman soldier turned around and looked at the man, and he saw his own face in that Roman. And he woke up and said, yes, it was me. Brothers and sisters, look at your hands. None of us is free of the blood of Christ. We deserve to be executed by Jesus, not the other way around. It won't do to blame the Jews and the Romans and Satan. We share in the guilt. And there's other people today that share in it in a double way. You see, Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10 say, those that hear the gospel and knowingly reject its message about Jesus dying, it says they are guilty of re-crucifying Christ. Not that they literally kill him, but they add doubly to their guilt. It's as if they spit on his cross and trample his precious blood into the ground. We must look at ourselves and say, I am guilty. We killed our best friend. The pure and loving Lord Jesus that was innocent. But it doesn't end there. Who killed Jesus? And here's where the mystery takes a very unusual twist. Remember that from our standpoint, we are guilty and these others were guilty. But also look at it, as it were, between the lines, behind the scenes. Jesus allowed it. It wasn't suicide as such. It was self-sacrifice. And he could have stopped it. He said that in Gethsemane. Peter, put up your sword. Don't you know, Peter, I could call down so many thousands of angels and they could have wiped them all out. But Jesus didn't give that order. He came into the world in order to die. And in John 10, he said this, I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. He didn't die of heart failure or shock or stroke or bleeding to death. He willed his own death because he had a special life in him that was holy. He didn't have to die. He would never have died unless he willed to die. And that's why all four gospels said, he said, it is finished into thy hands. I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. It was a willful self-sacrifice, unique in the history of the world. He was God in the flesh without sin, perfect, immortal, invincible. Nobody could have killed him until he let them. You see, on those four other occasions, they tried to kill him, but invisibly Jesus stopped them. He went through the crowd, and as it were, he withheld them until his hour came, and then he let them murder him. The, the nails would never have gone in, he would have laughed when they tried to go at him with a sword until the moment came when, as it were, he let down his guard, let down his shield, and said, here I am, do your worst. He allowed it, he permitted it. 
It was a self-sacrifice out of sheer love for the very people that were murdering him. Remember what he said on the cross? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And there's one other, perhaps most of all, that had a hand in the death of Jesus. God. You might say, are you mad? No. This is where it is ultimate profundity. Isaiah 53, 6 and 10 says, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. In the final analysis, brethren, it was God that killed Jesus. Not murder. Murder always implies guilt. God is holy. Never can be blamed. But there is a righteous killing, like in war, capital punishment, self-defense. So God was without blame, but if he had not planned it and carried it out, it would never would have happened. Listen to what Peter said. The same Peter that accused the Jews said this, Acts 2.23. Him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and put to death. And then in 1 Peter 1.20, he said, he was indeed foreordained before the foundation of the world. God foreordained it. And in his providence, he arranged all these people to be involved in this. In John 10, Jesus said, as I just quoted, he would lay down his life in obedience to the command of his father. Book of Hebrews says, Lord, I come to do thy will. Romans 8.32 says, God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Who killed Jesus? All these others, but mainly it was God that did it. Why? Because there is no other way that we could have been saved. God could not have simply, you know, snapped his finger and said, well, I'll just forgive them. No. Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And in Gethsemane, he said, Father, if there is any other way, take this cup from me. The cup of the wrath he would suffer the very next day. There was no other way for us to be saved. God, the Father, punished his own son in our behalf. Imagine what that meant. Would any of you fathers kill your own son that would be innocent? Of course not. Would you let some evil criminal torture and kill your only child? No. Why did God do it? Because he loved his son and because he loves us. That's why God planned it and carried it out. Oh, the depth of what went through the heart of God on that awful day. What transpired between the father and son is somehow hidden behind a holy curtain and we dare not speculate as to what was behind that curtain. It was something holy between the father and the son. And thank God for it. Even the angels don't understand it all. What do we say to these things and what should we do about them? First, let's recognize that this is what the Bible says and give blame where blame lies. Satan, the Romans... The Jews, us, but no blame to Jesus or the Father. Secondly, repent of our own guilt. Don't just blame the Jews and certainly don't go to any Jew and say, you're a Christ killer. We should say, I am a Christ killer and I beg God's forgiveness. Repent of our guilt. Go to the cross and say to God, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. 
And if you're not yet a Christian, also pray, save me from my sins, especially this sin. You see, if you're not a Christian and you see the implications of this, this should go, it should pound into your heart. You are the guilty person, and if you die lost in your sins, you will be doubly guilty because you've heard the gospel. Come and believe in Jesus, and he will forgive you. You remember his prayer. Father, forgive them, and he will forgive all repentant sinners. And then lastly, marvel at the wisdom of how God planned it and worked it out. Satan and the humans meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. The worst crime, the worst sin in history brought about the greatest blessing. What? Salvation and maximum glory to God. Thank God for the death of Jesus. And thank Jesus for going along with it, sacrificing himself. Why? Because he loves you. Let us love him in return. Let us pray. Father, we see our guilt. He died for our sins. We know that Romans, Jews, Satan, Judas were involved, and they are guilty. We are guilty. Jesus was not guilty. He was the only sinless person out there. And he volunteered to sacrifice himself in obedience to your command and your decree. Father, help us to continue to meditate upon this. Not just on Good Friday or when we have communion every Lord's Day. But at any time, Father, awaken our hearts and minds, maybe at night when we're laying in bed or sitting in our favorite chair thinking. Give us holy thoughts of the death of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.